It is June 10th. It's Friday. This is Real Talk. Ryan Jesperson, John Hicks. I got kind of a, a an interesting vibe going on in studio right now. Typically, when we walk in, this is our starter studio. This is our our startup, grassroots, humble beginning studio. And we've shared with you from time to time that we're building a big, sexy new one, and we're super excited to show it off to you all this fall. Yeah, I was there yesterday. It's Oh, man. It's kind of exciting now they're knocking walls out and doing all the moving. I'm all the just wires excited for and... the temperature. The temperature, in this, not to knock this, <laughs> this building, is what if I you know to where we are, <laughs> but it is hot on cold days. It is cold on, it's just all wacky. So yesterday it was about 28 degrees in the air. <laughs> and uh, and John, because, you know, as technical producer, he's sitting there. He wants to be sure that the, the cameras and the microphones and the lighting is everything. Everything is perfect. And so John's looking at me with a bit of concern in your eye because I, I had was. a fan just blasting on me. But yeah. I was like, what am I supposed to do? Sweating through my shirt. I had a stack of blotting papers for you. And <laughs> guess we asked the tough questions. <laughs> And then we walk in today. It's kind of chilly outside. It's a little bit overcast in our neck of the woods in Edmonton. It's kind of a nice rainy Friday. I'm actually not minding it at all. Walking here. It's freezing in here this morning. It's 17 degrees per this readout clock. And so no mid range. I don't know what to do. It's, we're, we're just going to have to sort of we'll, we'll have hooks on the wall. We keep hoodies and tank tops and yeah. we can just sort of go back and forth as we need it. It's going to be a great show. I want to thank those of you that took the time to send us emails yesterday. Yesterday's show, Thursday's show, June 9th. Wound up being a pretty special one. We talked about men's mental health. We talked to Kelsey Snow about her Sorry I'm Sad podcast. What a remarkable person she is, her and her husband, Mm -hmm. Chris, dealing with an ALS diagnosis uh, before his 40th birthday. Kelsey talked to us about why she endeavors to talk to people whose lives have also been rocked in really rough ways. And, And you responded Real talkers, and I've pulled a couple emails. I want to read them today. One in particular from Bradley, and one from Christy, and uh, both of them uh, really excellent takes. It means a lot to us when you take the time to send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. We've got a Friday roundtable set to go outside its usual spot this morning. Sapria Devetti typically joins us out of the gates on Friday. Uh, she was, uh, uh, do I say lucky enough? It's kind of strange to say lucky enough, but she got very last minute notice. Wishing her uh, well. Yeah, we're, we're wishing her well. She, I don't think she'd mind us sharing that she has a surgery on her eye today, which is, yeah. I always think about that would take a special surgeon, a special person to operate on something like an eye. It's something my wife especially is like, I've told her she should get LASIK or whatever because she has, freaks me out. she wears glasses and she's like, no way. I would never let anyone put a laser in my eyes. I'm so. like your wife. It's deadly. And, and you know what? People yeah. that, that do LASIK, and that's not what Sapri is getting, but uh, what she's having done is none of our business, but we just want to wish her well. But mm-hmm. the thing with, with LASIK is the people that do it will say, uh, listen, we do like 100 of these a day. We've done thousands of them, and there's no problem. And, th- but- and my answer back is like, yeah, you do hundreds a day. Like You just roll in and just bam with this laser, and it's like, <laughs> there's always a chance. What if there's a whoops, and then it's like your eye? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just I get freaked out. The funny thing is, in you my life, there's glasses, some. So oh just... yeah, thanks, John. I could be, people say, "Do you have contacts?" No, I just can't see right now. <laughs> uh, but I don't know with, with regards to you know, sort of. Uh, you know, there's things in life that, that that don't that I don't approach with caution that I should, mm. and then there's things in life. You, you know what I mean? People, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example, but like things you'll do as a hobby or on a snowboard or th- whatever, scuba, whatever, who cares? <laughs> you get the idea. And then all of a sudden something that's probably pretty safe, you sit there and go, I don't want anything to do with it. No. Freaks me out. We uh, really shouldn't be talking about this while she's like getting the surgery. She's getting just a different well. surgery. <laughs> <laughs> just, why did we go straight into I the, here's what happens if it goes horribly wrong. 
of course, Sabria is in the care of great surgeons uh, in Eastern Canada, and and we're looking. We'll see if she's ready to go by next week. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Maybe she'll have like a cool eye patch or something like that. Mm-hmm. That would be neat. Well, we've got something cool cooking with Mrs. Sup. So yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, it's do just we? a taste, just a little taste, <laughs> just a little dangle there. We're working on something with Sabria. Yeah, we are. And, uh, of course, coming up later on in this show, Kelly Keene, uh, personal finance educator, is going to join us because cost of living is out of control for people. Inflation is just blowing people's minds. Gas prices for regular. We're not talking about, like, jet fuel for your, your next-door neighbor's Ferrari Testarossa. How's that for a blast from the past? We're talking about just regular gas for people's minivans is like $2 a liter right now, and it's impacting people's lives. And that's just one example. Uh, never mind utilities and groceries. There's some data that shows that families are eating less, not not eating out at restaurants less or not eating less expensive food, eating less because of the rising yeah. cost of groceries. So Kelly's going to join us on that. This show happens because we have amazing sponsors like the team at Bitcoin Well. And I've been spending this week, I wanted to use their mentions this week to remind you that there's a lot of resources. If you want to learn a bit more about Bitcoin, you hear it coming up in the news all the time. You see it being advertised on your favorite sporting events. You hear people talking about it here on Real Talk. You're like, I I still don't really get it. And maybe you want to check it out on your own pace, on your own time, your own convenience. Go to BitcoinWell.com and you'll find a whole bunch of resources, including under the Learn link. You click on Learn and you can watch their video or enroll in the Bitcoin Academy. All of this is free. There's a great video there, Bitcoin for Beginners, featuring our pal Benny over at Bitcoin. Well, you can also link to their website from ours under the Sponsors tab at RyanJesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. The return of the uh, group chat roundtable coming up in just a minute. It's been a while since I've welcomed these three to the show, and I'm looking forward to checking in with Harmon Candola, Jarrett Campbell, and Jenny Adams. That in just a second. I wanted to get to a couple emails And to make sure that I do, I'll read one of them right off the hop here. This is from Dr. Bradley Martin. We mentioned him on the show yesterday. We we were happy to know he was tuning in from Hinton, a family doc who's been on the show before. He says, Ryan and Johnny, what an episode Thursday, yesterday. He says, I tuned in live initially, but had to log off to start my workday at the clinic. He says, I'm seriously thinking about starting work later in the day so I can catch the entire episode of Real Talk live more often. Doc, amazing. He says, I wrote in the live chat, but I signed off just before what you read uh, on air. He says, I appreciate the shout out. First, he says, the interview with the so-called rival members of parliament yesterday. This is great. Wasn't it Gord Johns, the NDP MP out of BC, and Matt Genereau, the conservative MP out of Alberta? That turns out they're great buddies, and they're working together on this men's mental health initiative, Father's Day on the Hill. Uh, Dr. Martin here says, I love to see the the partisanship get told to fuck off once in a while and just have people come together for important issues. As a man, I know I have my share of mental health issues. We doctors sure aren't immune to them. I've been deeply considering seeking out counseling. I just haven't found the time. But Ryan and Johnny, to hear you both almost casually admit and talk about seeing people on a regular basis was powerful. He says, we need everyday men to be more open with things like that. We need to normalize therapy, talking about deep issues, even crying with a friend. And the message that you two have sent is going to have more of an impact than you guys realize. He says, seriously, it deserves to be commended. 
He says, as, as a matter of fact, I'm going to make the time to reach out to the physician and family support program at albertadoctors.org like I've been meaning to do for a while because of you guys. I hope to be able to grab a beer with you when I'm in the city at some point. Done deal. He says, or if you guys are passing through Hinton on your way to your favorite destination, Jasper, there's a groundswell of men that are starting to come forward talking about their mental health, and we need more people to lead the charge with platforms that reach folks where they're at. And I do believe in the next few years, we will see far more men seeking help. That episode inspired me to think about what I can do to better promote men's mental health so deeply. I thank you. Secondly, the Kelsey Snow interview. I remember fondly my Aunt Rosemary taken too young by ALS. So thanks for making me cry not once but twice. He says, but of course, men crying is not a bad thing. He says, and then he signs off with something I knew would get Johnny's attention. He says, beer and double dillies on me anytime. Sincerely, (laughs) Dr. Bradley Martin. That's amazing. It was a great show yesterday. You and I didn't plan to talk about seeing therapists and talking about men's mental health and stuff like that, but more than happy to do it. And I heard from a couple friends that just texted and said, that's a bigger deal than you think to just talk about the fact that you you see a counselor, that Mm -hmm. you talk to people for your mental health. And we talked later, we thought, well, no big deal. We talk about it here. And people always say, oh, Johnny, you're such a positive guy. You're never in a bad mood. And I'm like, man, it's, it's up here. It's mm. up here and it's buried and you got to you got to talk about it sometimes. Right. Yeah. And we were like we were saying yesterday that therapy is not always about like just digging super deep. Sometimes you're just talking about casual things and then, you know, you'll reference something and realize, oh, I wonder if those are connected. That's why I'm afraid of elevators. <laughs> <laughs> it was all worth it after that day. <laughs> the group chat roundtable coming up in just a second. First, if you and your family are going to be firing up the grill this weekend, why not make a trip to Friesen Brothers ahead of time? They're the experts when it's time to heat up the grill. They have been for more than 65 years. The warm weather's back. So why not celebrate by enjoying items that really, really shine when they hit that grill, like real Alberta beef, pork, chicken, turkey, a ton of the amazing plant-based options as well. You'll find at Friesen Brothers. And of course, that fresh produce there's nothing like a long strip of zucchini brushed with olive oil, fresh talk, cracked pepper, hey, my language. some coarse sea salt, just nicely seared on the grill, but not for too long. You don't want it to go flaccid. You want it to retain some of that crunch. That's the Jespo recommendation. From Friesen Brothers, that's where we get our zucchini. You can find them in 16 locations across the province, Alberta grown and Alberta owned. And if your shopping list for the weekend's a little bit bigger, maybe a higher ticket item, we encourage you to trust the teams at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. They've got a better selection of Ram trucks, a way better selection of Jeeps in the entire Dodge lineup than anywhere else in the province because they can work together to share their inventory. They've got these beautiful dealerships, that brand new one in St. Albert, absolutely stunning. And the service teams to match as well. I've been telling you about my neighbor, Chad, and his new 1500, that Ram this weekend. He's gone again today. I heard him this morning. I'm getting ready to come into work, and I said, is he heading out again? Sure enough. I'm getting sick of hearing about this guy, honestly. Camping every weekend. Now that they got the rig to pull the new trailer, Chad found his at St. Albert Dodge. You can find them under the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. We've been having fun with this group chat roundtable idea for years, like literally for years. When I had a radio show on terrestrial radio before, these hooligans would join me there. They've joined us here on Real Talk several times. Here's the background real quick. If this is going to be your first time meeting them or hearing from them, 
we have a group chat and there's about six, seven people in the group chat, something like that. And it's off the record for the most part. But it's people that know their way around the political arena. It's people that have run businesses, people that have managed campaigns, people that have interesting insights, oftentimes coming from different places on an issue. And typically about twice a year, I try to drag them in front of the cameras to try to recreate the candor and sometimes the back and forth that happens on these group chats for our pure entertainment. So it's a real pleasure to welcome back to the show the principal at the Adams Agency. She's a communications strategist, does a ton of stuff to make sure that her client's message is being heard and reaching the right people. That's Jenny Adams. He's a lawyer with SB LLP. He's a vice president for the World Sick Organization of Canada. You've heard him on the show before, a member of our editorial board Harmon Candola joining us and Jarrett Campbell rounding out the crew here Jarrett uh with Aspen Advisory he's an expert in politics and real estate and a mover and shaker around town who's worked on a number of successful high profile campaigns uh, I think that the three of you might also care about this as well the people hearing on the podcast will not see this but for the folks watching on YouTube you're also the very first group of four me included uh, to be featured using our new graphics package where we have us stacked like the Brady Bunch as opposed to four side by side with skinny little houses. How's everybody feeling? Is it a more, bit more of a relaxed layout for you here on the show? It's so much more room. Yeah, exactly. Room you can, ideas. Exactly. So like you know, yeah, you can you can people can watch your your mind get blown in, in in live happening in real, you know, in real life here. We're excited to have the three of you here. We're talking about cost of living. We're talking about gas prices. My neighbor's out pulling his trailer. Uh, so obviously it's probably because of the fuel efficiency of the Ram 1500. That's probably why he's able to pull his trailer wherever he wants. But Jenny, you and your family, when you guys are making decisions, I mean, this rising cost of living inflation, which is way higher than what people are used to. Is this starting to factor into some of the decisions you're making? I spent all week driving my kids around to hockey, lacrosse in St. Albert and Swiss Grove. I filled my tank up twice, I think, which was crazy. Do you remember when you used to be able to do 10 bucks? Like I was just like, I'm going to put 50 bucks in just because like, that's all I have on me right now. Yeah. I got like a quarter of a tank and I was back like two hours later. I'm like, what is going on? It absolutely is factoring in. And I mean, I'm lucky enough to, you know, be able to go to the grocery store and buy what I want normally, but certainly I'm like if buying fruit is a luxury right now, like grapes and pears, apples, oranges, whatever, whatever I can get bananas. I'm like, you know what? We're not going to have fruit this week, mm. which is a, a, a crazy thing. So you're certainly starting to see, um, see everything go up a lot and definitely making different decisions on how we eat and what we're going to do this summer. And I think about everybody who is on a tight budget, who must be just like racking our brains. And how does this change? I mean, one of the experts, I think you called JC an expert a couple minutes ago. So I'd like him to prove that. Um, but maybe you can explain to us, JC, how politically we can start to control inflation without just jacking, you know, the cost of mortgages, et cetera, et cetera, and mm. making that more expensive. JC, you want to take that one? Yeah, I don't know. Um, if only it was if, if, if only it was that easy, right? And uh, it's funny how it plays out, right? So the inflation that we're seeing is being felt around the globe. It's it's energy prices, it's food prices, it's supply chain issues that that relate to you know global supply networks. Um, nobody can really help that, right? And so, but politically, that you know, if you could, that'd be such a salient message. So, if you're in power. You can't actually do anything about it. But if you're not and you're in opposition, you want to hammer them. And you see it in the States, you know, all this inflation is Biden's inflation. And you see it uh, federally, all this inflation is Trudeau's inflation. And, and, and you know, I'm, you know, I don't follow European politics. I'm sure they're blaming whoever's in power for their inflation. Um, it's unfortunate. It's, it's not something that there's going to be an easy fix to. 
when you think about energy prices. Um, I mean, the flip side of the coin is, you know, fortunately in Alberta, we are a energy producer in a significant way, but you know, there are, there's been a lack of investment for years uh, in oil and gas, and this is not going to help fix itself quickly, right? Some of these issues with supply chains, um, you know, coming out of, out of um, Southeast Asia are going to take months. Uh, you know, we might not see reprieve until later this year, early next year, and it just all kind of comes together. So I think that if I was in, if I was, um, in a government, right? You, you can't actually control some of these things. Um, but what you can do is think about the ways you can make life more affordable. And I think those are going to be popular. So, you know, Jason Kenney's move to um, remove the, the the portion of the gas tax that he had control over, you know, little symbols like that. People are going to be looking for those. Anything that anything helps. Right. And so do you. Um, but what do the three of you think about that, JC? I don't want to step on your toes, but 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 I want to jump in on that point in particular, because a lot of people said, well, that was a good move uh, for Alberta's premier 13, 14 cents a liter. And Albertans would be paying 13, 14 cents more a liter had the government not temporarily suspended that gas tax. But at the same time, people are going, well, look at these corporations, you know, big oil, so to speak, big gas, if you want to call it that. Big gas. Yikes. Anyway, I digress. But they're just cranking up the prices. They're just gouging people. So they just filled in the void there. Uh, and, and now people are I'm seeing calling on the federal government to temporarily suspend GST that's being collected on fuel. Is that up to a government? I mean, it, it impacts also revenue collection for a government. Is that something that needs to be considered? Like, Harmon, at what point do you want to see a government start to meddle or temporarily suspend taxes or respond to economic factors? Well, I'll go back in and kind of talk about uh, the belt tightening. And I made a decision during COVID that I look back on and and realize, you know, it was really uh, prescient in, in uh, predicting and, and dealing with this issue. Um, you know, and that decision was, I want to stop being a statistic. I wanted to stop being someone who owns a truck for no reason. And, and I, I made that decision. You know, I, I got rid of uh, you know, my, my, my Sierra, my GMC Sierra. And it was, it was a very great decision. I now am a proud um, owner of a minivan. Uh, I get to save a lot in taxes and I don't get the same respect on the road that I did in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't get to cut off or from your friends or from your friends. Does this mean you can come downtown now and meet us for a drink? Because always like, I can't drive my truck downtown. It doesn't fit anywhere to park. Um, I don't cross the river. I stay on the south side of Edmonton. There's nothing to be had north of the North Saskatchewan. Okay, now that, we're gonna that's that's bias, Armin. Perfect segue. Um, perfect segue. You know, yeah. and and I think you know, coming back to governments, you're right. Um, just what I, the feeling out there is that co- the companies and corporations will simply just take up the space of any taxes that are being saved. Typically. You know, the retailers uh, have always retailed um, gasoline at very low margins. Um, I know right now, anecdotally from those that I know in the industry, that they're enjoying record margins, um, you know, where they used to only get a, a cent and a half or two cents uh, or even at selling at a loss. They're hitting 14, 15 cents. And that's basically, um, you know, what now uh, we thought we were going to be passing on to consumers. And so as consumers, are we really, you know, getting the full benefit of that saving no but it's a, it's still somewhat of a savings you know it's well, that makes sense and that makes all the difference because i mean we see it right we see the fact that you know we see the lineups for people to to go and make uh, a good decision to to save that couple cents and um I, I think for for so many that relief is is needed um again because we've got to take our kids to to hockey we've got to take our kids to sports we've got to do all that driving 
Um, so that relief is needed. But to now have governments now completely suspend that in the short term, I think that would be um, a bad idea. Well, I'm, I'm glad you've got some anecdotes. I would encourage you to uh, look into the analysis that Trevor Toom did. He's an economist at the University of Calgary because there was this populist message. You know, the oil companies are just going to take it. The gas companies are just going to take it. This gas tax isn't going to hit Albertans' pockets. And when he actually took a look at the data, not his anecdotes, uh, he concluded that it actually did. The The market for gasoline is competitive enough that the, the cut in the gas tax was passed along. So... It's not a very good populist answer. Carmen's not the expert here, is what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, 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 he's got some anecdotes. But but yeah. JC, are you are you saying that you in 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 your mind then or in your assessment that it was an astute political move, that it was the appropriate political move, that it was a good move? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And and so to what extent would you like to see governments continue to make those types of moves like the the gas tax was suspended? And, and let me be the cynic here, but the tax was suspended about nine days, if I remember correctly, before uh, United Conservative Party members voted in that leadership review. Still, 51 percent prompted the, resi- the sort of resignation. Um, and, and so there's that uh, the timing of it. But the timing also was at a time when gas prices were at an all-time high. So people will say, well, why do you have to be so cynical about everything? Maybe it's just a good move. So I sit here now and I say, okay, uh, like Jenny said, families are at the grocery store making tough decisions. We're gonna When I talk to Kelly Keene after you three, uh, we're going to reference a report that families are eating less because of the price of groceries. So should a provincial government that charges a harmonized sales tax, should they be lifting their portion there? Should the federal government, when inflation is above 4% or 5% or whatever the number is that they set, you know, we're used to like one and a half to three, two and a half percent inflation seems used to seem quite high. Uh, should the federal government suspend GST on, on, on some items where they're collecting it? Like, like, where do you stop? At what point do governments need to respond like this when they can? We're about to have a massive surplus in Alberta going into the next election. So I would hope to see that the UCP do use this surplus to help us. It's it's just to buy votes. But hey, this is a time when families really do need the government to, to try and make some things affordable if they can. I appreciate that they move fast. They made a decision and they cut that gas tax. But yeah, certainly what else can they do going into the next election? Let's take advantage of the fact that we are going to have some money for the first time in a long time. Obviously, we need to save. We learned our lesson. But I'm really interested to see what happens, you know, once they elect the next leader um, and then going into the next election, I think we will see some things. And that's just me thinking as an Albertan that we better. Maybe like a uh, maybe like a four hundred dollar check for every Albertan, Jenny. Exactly. Yeah, it, it won't be Ralph box. It'll be no, you know, inflation box or a hair box or something. And I, I won't buy an iPod this time. Will it It'll be, be Lawheed Bucks. It'll be Lahid Bucks. Lahid Bucks. We can come up with a better. We can come up with a better name for that. But uh, what you you bought a uh, you bought an iPod? That must have been iPod. That was like in. I don't remember. I mean, I would have been like eighteen years old. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. Well, I don't bucks. think. Probably at the bar, to be honest. Yeah. But. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think that iPods were even a, a thing. I don't think the technology was there. This well, it was two thousand six. Maybe they were. It, it, it would have been like the early iPods, like the yeah. white one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old, okay, so. I, I'll eat my words there. I uh, I bought a radar detector. Jenny and Harmon, do you remember what you spent your four hundred bucks on? Well, I wasn't as elite as JC buying an iPod with my money. I probably saved it and put it in the bank and. Jen, Jenny donated it to charity, probably. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Harmon, what did you buy? Do you remember? I, I remember um, the iPod was out and I it was like record sales in Alberta for iPods uh, that year. I, that was my recollection of it. Um, otherwise, I think I, I bought a Dreamcast game because at the end of the day, I was a gamer and Sega is way better than Nintendo and Microsoft. 
Um, so that's probably what I did with mine. I know that you threw out an inflammatory statement there, but I don't know enough about gaming to, ba- to clap back. But we'll probably get emails that Sega is better than Microsoft and, and Sony or whatever you just said. We'll figure it out. Um, this was alluded to earlier. Jenny, I just I, I know that you wanted us to open the door to this conversation with with, with Harmon's discrimination uh, against anybody in our home city that lives north of the North Saskatchewan River uh, in the original, let me say, the original Edmonton b- before it amalgamated with Strathcona on the south side of the river. But but I digress. We had Edmonton's mayor on the show, Amarjeet Sohi. I think it was May 31st, right, Johnny? Um, can we roll this clip? This is just a portion. So to, to tee this up for our group chat roundtable, you'll probably remember um, two men. This is a horrific circumstance. Two men were, were murdered in cold blood, completely innocent, absolutely minding their own business. Uh, blunt force trauma injuries in Edmonton's Chinatown district. It prompted that and some other uh, realities, including a rise in crime rates. It's undeniable. Uh, prompted Alberta's Justice Minister, Solicitor General Tyler Shandro, to write a letter to Edmonton's mayor suggesting that citizens in Edmonton deserve better than what they're getting from Edmonton's mayor and council. Uh, the justice minister said he wants to see a plan, a written plan from Edmonton's mayor. He gave him an assignment, kind of big dog in him, didn't he? He said, I want to know what your plan is here because we got to get this figured out. And then this is what Edmonton's mayor said to us in response. I have been reaching out to minister, have had a call with the premier a number of times, reached out to a number of other ministers, talking about why lack of investments in housing, lack of investment in support of permanent wraparound services uh, for people to heal, uh, the mental health crisis that we have in our city, the opiate crisis, the poisoning crisis that we have in our city. We lose members of our community every day because of overdose deaths. And uh, and these are provincial responsibilities. Yes, we are doing our part. We are stepping in where we can. We are funding police service uh, adequately. We are providing uh, uh, support systems available through uh, other city departments, uh, through bylaws, uh, and uh, in a, investing in support of housing, investing in prevention. But this is a shared responsibility. Community safety is not just municipality's responsibility. Province needs to step up, feds needs to step up, and we need to work together. I was Amarjeet Sohi on this show on May 31st. Jenny? Well, I can appreciate his comments, absolutely. But to me, it feels a little bit of like we're playing politics and kind of kicking the ball around. Um, I am lucky enough to get to work with a number of downtown different organizations on this issue of safety and security and revitalization and post-secondary and on and on and on. And the great thing is, is there are lots of people who are really interested in solving this problem. But what we don't feel, and I'm not speaking on behalf of anyone, I guess, but myself, is that sense of urgency from council to do what they can do. And that's really what happened after those horrific Chinatown deaths. Um, I was there that day. I brought my 12-year-old to city council, and it was packed full of hundreds of people from Edmonton, the China uh, Chinese community, but also the business community, and lots of really interested people who were just saying, can you please listen to us? And I can't remember which councillor it was, but one did say, and I thought it was a really good point, that that was the very first time that they had seen such a big group of people come to council, and you could almost see like the oh, look at the decisions that we're making are really impacting people. And I thought that was really important because from that moment, we really did start to see some sense of urgency. So I agree with what Mayor Sohi is saying, but also there has to be some acknowledgement that, you know, things are getting better downtown. The weather's better. So things are better. There's more police presence now, too, since the last couple of council meetings. But it doesn't feel like there's that sense of urgency for action. And I realize that's hard in politics. But like the faster we can start moving on some things, the better, because our reputation is at stake. 
stake, safety is at stake, vulnerable people, it's sad, is at stake. Our uh, investments here are leaving. Um, but what I will say over the past couple of months is that it does feel and sound like it is getting better. So many people care. So many people are trying to get involved to make a difference. And that's one thing I just love about Edmonton is that we see a problem and we tackle it together. So there, you know, we are making progress, but I just wish there was more of a, a sense of urgency that continued along. Jared? Jason? Um, well, I mean, Ryan, to, to jump into that, there was an explosive story released by the CBC this morning. I'm like I'm, sitting here trying to read it. I, somebody sent it to me. I Jared, I have it. it right now. I know exactly what you're yeah, going to. Is this about is this about the accused killer? Uh, getting dropped off. In yeah. So check this beat. out. Yeah, so, absolutely. Let me tee this up and then you take it. This is this <laughs> is by Wallace Snowden, who does a great job. Uh, a journalist with CBC News, the accused, the man facing two murder charges in those Chinatown homicides was dropped off by RCMP in Edmonton three days before the killings. Now, get this conditions of his bail prohibited him from being in Edmonton unsupervised. Edmonton police officers spoke to the accused. Uh, to Mr. Bone later that same day that he was dropped off in Edmonton, but did not detain him despite his bail conditions because, quote, no criminal offense was observed. This per a statement from Edmonton police yesterday. Now this man is charged, Justin Bone, two counts of second degree murder after assaulting, beating and killing two men in the Chinatown district. Jared. Yeah, and this, you know, puts a whole sort of different light into this, right? You know, the, the provincial government used this these murders cynically as a political opportunity. They saw an opportunity to, to um, you know, put themselves into the conversation, try to put it on, on, on local government. And this was a, a lack of, as Jenny said, urgency and, and attention by the, by the, by city council. It looks like it was the RCMP that maybe has a pretty big role in what happened here. And, and so it's going to, you know, probably cause another round of politicking back and forth on who's going to do this. And it's, these are never fun conversations, um, conversations about public safety in, in, in public and trying to figure out um, who's responsible for what and the, and the mudslinging that we've seen over the last few weeks from, from all different sides uh, is only going to get worse with, uh, with an, with a story like this, that maybe there was a little more to that story that everybody wanted to use for their cynical political purposes. Harmon, it's interesting to see there's there's, you know, policies and legislation uh, being released and Edmonton City Council included in that. There was like a transit safety initiative that came out earlier this week. And then and then you also have people that are saying like downtown crime's really not that bad. People that will say like I, I lived in like East Vancouver or Toronto or Chicago or Seattle or wherever, like these big major metropolitan centers. And they go, I'm not sure that Edmonton's really that different, is it? Uh, when, when we're having this conversation, uh, this is not, to be clear, not in the context of these grieving families, right? These two men that were murdered in Chinatown. I'm not, my take on that story is not, ah, crime's not that bad. But at what point does it get to a point where you say there's something wrong with this city in particular? Or is this just the woes of a city of a million people that draws in a transient population that has issues supporting the unhoused, that has issues providing mental health supports, which is you know, a problematic really in all of Canada's major cities. Like, how do you kind of sort through that? Is Edmonton an outlier here or is it just a city of a million people? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we've heard similar concerns across um, many North American cities uh, and dealing with a lot of um, downtowns uh, across North America. But for, for myself, you know, I've been in a few meetings and really heartbreaking meetings where, you know, we, we're hearing from social um, agencies that they feel like that, 
uh, a lot of the responsibility of dealing with the aftermath of violence is being downloaded onto their shoulders. And they're hitting a, a breaking point in terms of what capacities they have and what their staff are going through. And, and they feel like, you know, there is some downplaying by, um, you know, politicians of the severity of certain levels of violence, um, you know, and, and that goes, you know, for provincial facility or city facilities, recreation facilities. Um, and a lot of the social agencies in the city are asking, you know, for help and support. And I think, you know, we, we need to be empathetic uh, to those calls. And we also have to, you know, I think finally this week, the, the mayor put out there that, you know, when we look at those who use transit, um, we need to start thinking about it from the perspective of, look, there's a lot of marginalized people um, who rely upon having a safe option for public transportation to get to where they need to get to. Um, you know, and again, I, I know Jared wants uh, empirical evidence for every single thing and quantitative um, results. But when we look at, um, you know, some of the conversations I've had with social agencies, they, they're saying that they're seeing a drop in, you know, people using their services because they can't get to their office or their facility because they don't want to take public transportation. And that's an issue and that's a crisis. And at the end of the day, I think people want to see solutions and they want to see action being taken to provide at least the perception that there is um, someone who cares and not just see this, this responsibility downloaded onto social agencies that don't feel like they're equipped to be able to rise to that challenge. And, and that's the, the short-term struggle, but we're seeing the impacts of it and, and it is devastating, especially for vulnerable people. I appreciate all of your time this morning. It flies like we could obviously talk here for, for 90 minutes. We haven't even talked about the provincial or federal conservative leadership races. There's a lot of stuff we've left on the table, which I'm sure we'll hash out in the group chat through the day today. The best part is that the three of you are here doing this live and you're still participating in the group chat. I see that Harmon has just awarded Jenny the Room Raider crown for today. Jenny, you have the best shot behind you the best setting so congratulations Agreed. on that very nicely done <laughs> should, should we should we pull back the curtain and let everybody know that move. this is your right. office right next door to our studio and we yeah, can hear like, each other through the drywall actually through the wall, yeah. actually but this camera angle is better for me than sitting in there with you way so. better yeah way <laughs> better yeah way better uh to the three of you Jarrett Cabell Jenny Adams Harmon Candola thanks so very much uh much respect to the three of you and the community building that you each do in your own regard and, and thanks for chiming in here on the show thanks guys Thanks Thank you. Give these three a follow on Twitter. Of course, we push out the Twitter handles for all of our guests, including the one coming right up, Kelly Keene, from our official account, Real Talk RJ. That's the best way to get in touch with us uh, through the day. That or, of course, our email inbox. Our friends at Kubi Energy wanted us to remind you that when you're considering a solar project, you might sort of want to see proof of performance. You might want to go, well, am I going to have these like, big, huge, ugly, gaudy solar panels with a bunch of wires coming down? It's going to be just an absolute mess. And what happens when it starts getting corroded? Or what if it's not installed properly? Uh, my friends, at kubienergy.ca, you can see here what the nation's best installers, these are Tesla-certified installers, journeymen and apprentices, uh, that's who Kubi hires in Alberta NBC. The featured home solar power systems that they've done, as well as some really, really neat residential and commercial installations. Check these out on their website. This is under the projects link. I mean, look at this one here in Canmore. Absolutely beautiful. Blends right in. What about this one in Edmonton? Look at how clean that is. Kubi's ready to give you a free quote today. Maybe get that ball rolling at kubienergy.ca. Now, once you've got your solar installed or in the context of what we're going to be talking about with Kelly, you're looking at your utility bills and you're going, something's got to change. Something's got to give. 
you know, we can't keep paying 500 a month or 700 a month or whatever it is in your household. Park Power, waiting for you with open arms. I saw Jill say in the live chat yesterday, it was right as we were signing off, she says, I finally brought my business over to Park Power. Smart. Yeah, she goes, I don't know what took so long, but I finally got there. I'd love to know from Jill how long it took. It's like 10 minutes to get the entire process completed. That includes punching in the promo code 2022-REALTALK at parkpower.ca. You do that, 2022-REALTALK, 70 bucks off your first bill. I don't know if you want to give them a time limit, though. Now you've got them on the clock. It's got to be 10 minutes on or the less. Clock. Well, this is where people take our word, right? This is not going to be a three-hour. You know, sometimes it's you call. It's not a pizza, though. You call a business. <laughs> <laughs> Might take longer than 10 minutes. Oh, man, I had to check in, look into something in my phone the other day, my phone plan. It's like, set aside 90 minutes, man. If yeah. you, you know what I mean? We're, our call volume is higher than usual, higher than normal. <laughs> it's not how they treat you, Park Power. Okay. I guarantee it. And you know what else I guarantee? I guarantee that when you meet the team at Infinity Healthcare, you're going to love them. Am I wrong? You're not wrong on this. Not wrong on this. You can check out their team online at infinity-8.ca, led by their CEO, Isabella, and their vice president, Poonam. Those are the two that we deal with on a regular basis. These are people with a background in healthcare. Isabella was an RN for many years, but they saw a real void in service provision. Families that required home care were not getting trustworthy care. Home care aid sometimes would be an hour late uh, sometimes they wouldn't be able to show up at all sometimes there'd be a language or a cultural barrier they said uh, there's something here that we think we can bring to the landscape of healthcare in alberta and that's what they do it's reliable considerate perfect fit home care through the team at infinity healthcare you can find them online at infinity-8.ca make sure that your loved one is getting the care that they need well, our next guest has, has been a, a personal friend, and, and, and she and I have spoken uh, many times about matters of finance and, and family budgets and just the real-life stuff that people deal with on a daily basis. Right now, we're hearing a lot about belt tightening, right? Inflation's on the rise. Interest rates are obviously going up for a lot of people on variable rates. It means your mortgage is going to cost you more. For some of you, it means that you've just sent a text to your realtor and said, never mind about what we were talking about it the time's just not right now and that's causing you anxiety right talk to a friend just the other day this is their scenario he says we were ready to try to move into our second home move out of the starter home into the second home he goes but now that prices are so high we don't think we can do it he says but where are prices going to be two years from now they're wrestling over these types of decisions kelly Keene deals with the real life as a personal finance educator a best-selling author and of course a friend of this show it's great to have you back on this friday morning and thanks for making time for us great to be with you ryan and i just have to say congrats on your newest family member how exciting thank you very much baby noah turned a week old about seven hours ago but who's counting and um rocking Wait. our family in the best way just an absolute beauty oh, this little guy look at that. i so know sweet. i know thank you very much as soon as i have a chance to talk about it I just, my face just explodes into a smile and i kind of john knows you can see <laughs> we get a few <laughs> knocks at the door every day people come in there and just it. go how about noah tell us about noah you know what though uh, kelly it, it gets me thinking and I'm, and I'm not even trying to have some sort of a cute interview segue here but 
But I've already been thinking because Wyatt, Noah's older brother, six, turning seven this Ooh. summer, and he's got bike camp and music camp and Ooh. art camp and hockey camp, and it's two hundred and seventy-five bucks here and three hundred and fifty bucks there and two hundred bucks here. And I know for a lot of families, even summer camps are going to be put on the back burner right now. And then I'm sitting there thinking, there's another mouth to feed. I mean, finances are always front of mind for most Canadians, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting. You kind of walked me back to my childhood there for a minute, Ryan. And, you know, it was it was tough in, in my household because I had an amazing, you know, mom, single mom, though, raising three kids. But even though I kind of went to school in more affluent part of, of Edmonton, we used to say things or I heard things from adults like we can't afford it. And I don't think we've heard those words in the last 20 years because interest rates have been low. It's been easy to just borrow and just have, you know, say yes to everything. And now that is a very different conversation today because that yes to everything that we used to do. I mean, I just went out yesterday. I don't usually grocery shop. My husband does because I travel so much. And I went to go and get a bag of avocados that was usually six or seven dollars, and it was thirteen dollars for the bag. I got to tell you, Ryan, I put the bag down. I was like, I just couldn't. Yeah, it's yeah. like I couldn't. So I, I can afford it, but I just couldn't. So absolutely, I, it's really hitting a lot of people who maybe were feeling a little bit apathetic. They kind of didn't want to look at it. Uh, it's hitting everyone right in the face right now. Especially if you're like me and uh, things like avocados and strawberries that that seem to have a really limited. I might even include bananas in that, but maybe not as much. I'll go and buy like a quart of strawberries and then they turn. Yeah. And then and then I'm like, I'm either going to throw these out, which Carrie will tell you, I will, I'll sit there with a paring knife and I'll cut around the nastiness on strawberries. Like I'm really like, I'm a little you. bit nuts that way. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, like I just can't bring myself to throw away food. And, and it just feels like a race against the clock. And it makes people, I think, be a lot more conscious on how they're managing the everyday stuff. And a lot of times I think it's just on a matter of principle. Like you just go, yeah. I just, you know, for us to to fill up you know, our, our family vehicle is like $210 right now. They, that, that's obscene. Right. Yeah. But that's just for yeah. a lot of people. It's like, it's the same thing. 60 bucks here, 70 bucks there, 50 bucks here. You know, that's a lot. It's a lot. And it gets us into this scarcity consciousness, which I, I do worry about, but yeah, I'm hearing from people across the country who are saying they're not even filling up their gas tank. They're just, you know, putting in a certain amount because they can't stomach it. Sometimes we're kind of just fooling ourselves when we're doing that. But, um, you know, but, but there's like some positives to this as well. Like, especially when you talk about that food waste, like, I mean, Canadians waste billions of dollars in food every single year. So if anything, and I think the pandemic, and certainly when we had the great recession in, in 08, 09, is being more mindful with our money, um, excuse me, sorry, struggling with uh, dryness here in Alberta, uh, being more mindful with our money and also just being more mindful with what we buy. Kelly, I've got, uh, I want to show you this. Um, this is amazing. Aggie, so Aggie tunes in. She's watching from, I think it's called Brno. Is that I'm pronouncing it correctly? Brno, Czech Republic. She's watching right now. And she says she wants to let everybody know that th they run their rig on diesel over there. Uh, it's 257 a liter right now. Uh, so that's obviously a huge cost that they're sustaining. But she was also in touch with us earlier this morning on Twitter. Uh, Aggie, it's always great to hear from you. She says, for your cost of living segment with Kelly, uh, she says, my suggestion is to limit the use of your dryer. They're energy hogs. They shorten the lifespan of many fabrics. 
Uh, she says we don't even have a dryer over here. They're they're quite rare in Europe. So they're hanging their stuff to dry. I'm assuming it's like families are, are taking like little steps, right? If, if if their power bill was a little bit out of control, they might not run their dryer anymore. And and for a lot of people, I wonder if this might be the first time in a long time that we've actually started to think about, am I going to run my sprinkler for 45 minutes to water my lawn or am I going to just let Mother Nature handle it th- this month? A lot of people are kind of in that space where they're going to start to so-called budget or start to make those decisions. One thing I know from our many conversations over the years is that I'll never forget you saying it the first time we were sitting across each other in the radio studio and you go, I don't budget. And I went, Kelly Keene doesn't budget. It just it walloped me in the side of the head. I didn't expect it. Yeah. So a couple things to unpack there. First of all, I don't budget just like I don't diet because I think that when you restrict people now, some people, hey, by the way, for those of you watching that I don't want, you know, ready to send me some hate mail who are great budgeters, keep sure. it up. Fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Do the spreadsheets, do all the things that you do. But for those of us that just don't want to live like that, don't want to penny pinch and watch every cent, watch every calorie that we eat, I don't think it's sustainable. But what I do do with my husband every six months is what I call my anti-budget, where we track absolutely every cent we spend for 30 days. Now, it's super simple to do that now because your bank is doing all of that for you. But we dig in, Ryan. We like uh, uh, my husband calls up the cell phone provider, our Internet provider. What better deals do you have out there? Every time he calls, he gets us a better deal. Uh, I will put my hand up a lot of subscriptions over the pandemic that I subscribe to. I'm now just trying to find what credit card was that put on? How do I cancel it? So it's, you know, digging into my finances once every six months and then the rest of the time it's simple principles like making sure that you're paying yourself first you've got the emergency savings coming right off your paycheck i'm self-employed i don't have a paycheck but every time i get paid right a certain percentage is going and then you know making sure the credit cards get paid off in full as long as you've got those principles uh intact then you don't have to budget now the reality is a lot of people don't have that luxury they don't have the emergency savings they're they're struggling and they do have to budget but here's what I really also want to have the conversation about is when, you know, you're talking about not using the sprinkler or, you know, of course, turning off the lights, all of the things our parents taught us to do. But I just came back from Toronto and I was talking with my driver and he's, you know, confessed to me that he, you know, went to go and get the cheap gas at Costco and it took him 45 minutes to get there. It, he had to wait in line for 25 minutes, took him 45 minutes to get back. And I said, how, how much did you save? He saved 10 bucks. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so for just about two hours of your time, you saved $10. You didn't have that with your family. You didn't get another ride that you could have earned 80 bucks going to the airport. Like he was so focused on getting that cheap gas and saving $10 that he he didn't look at the opposite side of spending more time with his family, trying to bring in more income. And that's what I also want people to really be conscious of, because when we're stressed financially, our vision narrows. We don't see all of the opportunities. We don't see that maybe you still could go on a little vacation this summer because you've got reward points and you could use that for the hotel and your car and so much. Like looking at your financial life, getting out of apathy, really having a look at it. Sometimes, Ryan, when we're going up that scale from apathy to financial resilience, there's a lot of uncomfortable feelings. There's frustration, maybe anger. There's a lot of things that come up. You got to sit with that to get to the next spot. And maybe to get up to financial resiliency, you're gonna have to get some help. Financial planner, nonprofit credit counselor, talk to your bank, 
uh, but there's always options out there. But the takeaway is nobody's going to come to your door knocking on it saying, hey, here's some ways to save some money and, yeah. and, and bring more money in. I like when you talk about that financial resilience. The people will say, well, I want to get to that point where I'm able to to absorb the odd blow, right? Where I'm able to sort of encounter a couple of hurdles and it doesn't prompt that feeling of anxiety that so many, probably a lot of people that are targeting this segment that are here listening to this podcast right now because they want to hear your tips, Kelly. They're feeling the anxiety right now. And I suspect, I mean, I even look at my own personal life. If you came in and did an audit of my situation, I you would probably, I don't even know what you'd say, Kelly, because if you said it's like, I've got the credit card over here for the business has a couple of different ones and I've got a couple of different personal ones. And if you said to me, like, what are the interest rates you're paying on each card? I probably off the top of, I mean, I could go digging through the papers that are all disorganized in a file folder, but I wouldn't be able to tell you. I, I, I wonder if you might be able to prove to me, you probably could, that I'm bleeding every month on a number of fronts by not consolidating things or not paying too much attention to, to where things are headed out the door. Maybe people are paying more for their cable package than they need to because they're streaming more from a different, you know what I mean? I wonder yep. if, we, if we actually took a couple of hours, and I know all of our time is so precious, but actually went through all of our expenditures and, and sometimes just the little ones and they fly under the radar because they're the so-called little ones. If we might all of a sudden do ourselves a favor that over the course of 12 months could be worth a couple grand. Oh, here's the thing. And you hit it on the head, Ryan. Like we, we make time to go and see our doctor and do a physical once a year. We don't like doing it. Yeah. All of us, exactly as you said, are busy. Uh, lots of fear and trepidation doing that, but we do it. We make time. We know we have to do that, but yet we don't make the time to just, like you said, you don't have to be great at math. You don't even have to know what to do. You just have to be brave enough. Like I said, getting out of that apathetic state, which is fun, like, it's comfortable, right? Who doesn't want to chill and watch Netflix with a beer or a cold glass of wine, right? Who wants to comb through their finances? Remember I said, you might feel that frustration, that anger, like, man, you're in more debt than you thought or whatever, but if you don't look at it, you can't get out of it. So for example, you're right. Uh, nothing wrong with having all those credit cards, Ryan, but you might see that you add up all those annual fees. Yep. And if you're not using your cards to their maximum extent and really understanding your rewards program, yeah, you could be paying hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, if you've got a lot of credit cards that are going to waste. Um, Something as simple, let's say, maybe you don't have an extra dollar to your name, you're just making the minimum payment on your credit card, it's at 24%. If you call up your bank, they can probably put you in a lower card at 12%. Yeah, you won't have the bells and whistles, but if you're just making your minimum payment, you're not worried about bells and whistles at that point. Um, that could save you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars and, and streamline paying down that credit card so much faster. You just cut your interest rate in half. And when you're going from 24 to 12%, that's a huge chunk of change. So you don't even have to solve these problems on your own, but you're right. You do need to look at them. And then, you know, Ryan, you're probably not alone having, uh, you know, uh, stuff all over the place. Uh, you are at more risk of probably missing some payments too, mm -hmm. right? Hurting your credit score, hurting your ability to borrow for the future. So, so important, get these things in your calendar, get them in there, have reminders a week or two in advance. And then if you can't make those payments, having the conversation with your lender way in advance before the payments due, they're so much more likely to work with you for a, a payment arrangement. But if you've already missed payments, it's going to be a lot harder to get their help.
Kelly, we um, you're the author, I should mention, of Rich Girl Broker, and there's been uh, many other books. You've, more, you've written more than a dozen books, right? Haven't you? Rich Girl yeah. Broker, one of them. Um, over the course of the years that you've written these books, that you've taken a look at, at Canadians' finances and trends and best practices and all these types of things, are we in a unique age or a unique era, or, or or are the numbers just a little bit different with regards to inflation or interest rates or what have you? Is it is it the same challenges, the same principles, or is the landscape changing? Is the game changing a little bit? It's changing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've ne- like I, I, so many people have never seen inflation. We always heard these numbers from our parents, and I don't know how the next year is going to look. You know, the Bank of Canada is saying that in five years. Mortgage rates might be 30% more. Um, if you bought at the height of the pandemic, are you going to see your property value uh, decline over the next number of years? Uh, people just aren't used to that. There's a lot of people, Ryan, that still aren't back to work, right? From pre-pandemic where they're not at that same level. They've depleted their emergency savings if they even had it to begin with. So, um, you know, it's some of the same, same, but but different. So I just think it's, Whatever people were struggling with before the pandemic, there's it's just piling on with so much more stress. Are you seeing like with regards to whether it's anecdotal or statistical observations, more Canadians seeking out other income opportunities? Like, are, do we have data or do we have insight into whether or not more people are taking on a second job or maybe trying, you know, participating in the so-called gig economy or I don't know, taking on a roommate? I mean, do you see that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've done a lot of media on that. And actually, there was a, a survey, it was about a year ago that 30% of Canadians during the pandemic did have a side hustle. Huh. If it was, you know, could be a side gig like a Uber or something of that sort, or it could be it could have been freelance, it could have been consulting. I have to tell you anecdotally as well, I have so many friends that were displaced, especially in the media industry, right? And they've got a number of jobs or they, they have a job on the side. They're not telling their employer because they're worried about losing their employment. Um, and this is a great thing because you and I have had this conversation a lot where it's like, yeah, there's one side of the, of, of the ledger, which is cutting your expenses. And by the way, having a glass of wine with a friend out, having your latte, foregoing that is probably not going to make or break your situation. Like go have a coffee, get out, go enjoy summer a little bit, but pay attention to the big stuff because that's going to really change your financial situation. Negotiating your credit card rate, all that kind of stuff, getting out of that debt, go have a little bit of fun. But on the other side, if you can bring in more income as a family, oh my goodness, like that is a game changer. And we don't spend enough time talking about that. And also insulating yourself. We talk about diversification in your portfolio, right? You don't wanna have all your eggs in one basket. When it comes to your career, you don't wanna have all your eggs in one basket either. You want to start thinking about, you know, what do you want to be doing five and 10 years from now? How is your industry changing? You really, I don't care if you're employed or self-employed, you don't want to be the blockbuster out there. You don't want to be the blockbuster employee, right? You've got to be thinking about the future. And Ryan, I'm seeing so many people at the height of their career, really stable jobs, really secure, very senior, and they're getting a package and they're only 55, 60. What do they do now? So it's imperative that you understand that your ability to earn an income in your career is is the most lucrative investment you're ever going to have in your life, right? Even if you earn the average salary, you're going to earn millions of dollars during your lifetime. Why not think of yourself as a business owner 
and 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 try to navigate yourself that way. Um, so maybe something that you love as a hobby, when you get into retirement, if you you actually treat it uh, with skill acquisition, could be something that you could turn into side income in the next couple of years while you're working or in retirement. Love it. You can learn more about what Kelly does on her website, kellykeen.com. You can read about her mission for women to claim their wealth. You can book her for a speaking engagement. You can check out her book, Rich Girl, Broke Girl. And of course, you can connect with her on social media as well, uh, Twitter included. It's always so good to see your face. Thanks for making time for us and have an amazing weekend. You too, my friend. Thanks, Ryan. Be All right. Well. Take care, Kelly. Uh, that's Kelly Keen at kellykeen.com. I can tell that that, that idea of the, si- the side hustle, the gig economy, yeah. that resonates with you, with me. That, I know. That characterizes. Yeah. I know, like, at least 90% of my friends during the pandemic took on another kind of side hustle. Because I know right? a lot of people in the industry and, you know, the bar industry and the, and the event planning industry. And oh, yeah. I like what you said there about, you know, treating yourself like get that coffee. Don't be. My wife's like that. My wife is the budgeter in our family. Like, yeah. she texts me, hey, the car payment's due tomorrow or whatever. Yeah. But she also is the type of person who, like, she doesn't withhold, you know, a nice latte or, or a. a us going for dinner once a month because those little things she, she always says that she's like those little things they're not the things we need to worry about well the and car ev- payment the credit card payment yeah. these are the things we need to be on well so. and, and and everyone's situation is going to be different right like you say going for dinner once a month and and i go yeah well obviously you got to invest in your relationship exactly hey why not invest in the local culinary scene why not support a restaurant but for other people it, it might be once every two months for some people they may be quote-unquote limiting themselves to going out to a restaurant once a week mm-hmm. for some people it might be once a day like mm-hmm. you know everyone's got their different thing going on for somebody that buys an, a seven or eight or a nine dollar latte twice a day it's a hundred dollars a week a little different then it's a little bit different right yeah. so everybody's got to find kind of what fits for them but it's more when she's having a bad day or whatever she'll go treat herself to a nice latte she has coffee at home most of the week but like she doesn't exclude herself from that and i'm the type of guy where i don't do that i'm like nine dollars for a drink no way i'll go home and just make the cure egg or whatever right but she's more like like uh kelly said going out the act Mm. of like you know, it improves your overall mood, right? Uh, so. I was thinking you would say you'd go home and grind beans and make coffee from your <laughs> subscription with the Egg Coffee Club because you get fresh, That's locally roasted beans do. delivered to do your that. door every month. Have you told people about our coffee woes right now? Oh. The machine and everything? Oh, do, do people care about that? Oh my God. I don't know. Do you care about that, Real Talkers? I don't know. We we have a... Do, do we, we'll get it. We, we got some serious business to cover. We've got to get into the results of our Let's question of the week on gun violence. Here's the real quick story. Um, we bought this super fancy... Incredible. Burr grinder drip coffee setup because we had our partnership with Yeg... We have our partnership with Yeg Coffee Club, and they're giving us these amazing beans. Best coffee I've ever tasted. Yeah, comes right? It's unbelievable. Machine. Yeah. And so, but it turns out that the machine is like every time you put in new beans, it's like these ones are from Guatemala and they're roasted this way. And these ones are from Brazil and roasted this way. And these ones are from Indonesia roasted this way. You've got to recalibrate the machine for the consistency and the weight of the bean and the dryness of the bean and whatever. And it just got all screwed up and messed up. And I went out there a morning (laughs) last, no, this week. But the calibration uses tell them it uses the up calibration like uses, the bag so it's like you hit calibrate and then it grinds beans for like 17 seconds and then you got to weigh though can you imagine what a pain in the ass i just want a machine that just makes coffee <laughs> 
but you got to weigh the beans. And then it goes, oh, this, it ground these beans, uh, you know, 440 grams. Uh, so punch in 440. And then, but those beans are just, they're just they're done. They're trash. They're trash. <laughs> it's like, well, that's half a pound. So now it can, like, what? Who what is it? with this machine? I'm honestly, I think we just go to like, Freezing Brothers or find out whoever's got like we a do. machine we can do they sell coffee they don't think they sell coffee makers I no. didn't want to mention a competitor but I'll go to some store and just get like a $30 coffee maker that just has the paper or whatever <laughs> filters and we'll just do that okay you're getting riled up let's get to this question I should have saved that for trash talk actually <laughs> I can get a picture of our but but we desperately want our coffee maker to work because it's beautiful stainless steel it's like got, I said like it's, it's best coffee I've ever tasted yeah it's phenomenal it out of that all right. I mean, if, if only everybody struggled like we do. If only everybody could feel our pain. No, I can't go right into question of the week from that. It's too serious. I, but let me let me just read to let me let me just put a little buffer zone between that. Our friends Copy. at Eden Landscaping won't mind that. If you're looking for buffer zones between your yard and your neighbors, why not consider a line of cedars installed and planted lovingly by the team at Eden Landscaping. They bring outdoor spaces to life. A custom landscape builder, more than 20 years of on-the-ground experience in Edmonton. Check out their website. You want stone and woodwork done? They do it. Retaining walls? Yep. Water features? Uh-huh. What about an outdoor kitchen? I mean, you really want to ramp things up? Pizza oven? Maybe like a forno-type setup with a wood-burning stack? Ooh, baby. You need the water run out there, but you got to make sure it's not going to freeze up and blow up in the winter. Mike and his team have seen it all, done it all, and they've earned the referrals and the return business of their clients for more than two decades. We personally recommend Eden Landscaping, like I did to my friend Anand the other day. He's building a new fence. I said, talk to Eden Landscaping. You can find them online at landscapeedmonton.ca. And if all this talk, even with Kelly Keene, for example, is inspiring you, you're going, today is the first day of the rest of my life. I'm going to audit my finances today. I'm going to get my credit card interest rate down. I'm going to go to Park Power and pay less on the admin fees for my utilities. And dag nabbit, I'm going to go to AthabascaU.ca and find out what my next career opportunity could look like. But hang on a second. You have a complicated schedule. The kids need you. Your friends need you. You're off to Maui next week, like my buddy Paul. I said to Paul, who goes to Maui in like June and July? It's better to be the guy with the car, too. Yeah. I'm well, going to get mad. He, well, he says to me, Paul says to me, well, when you have a timeshare, you go and they assign it to you. If you're traveling, you're on the road, you want to suspend your studies at Athabasca, you no big deal. You learn at your own pace. You don't fall behind in the courses. It's why 40,000 plus Canadians trust Athabasca U to help them with their next opportunity in life. You can find them online. You can sign up, get that admissions process started again, AthabascaU.ca. It's Canada's online university. So every week we do, in partnership with our official research and strategy partners at Y Station, roll out our Get Real question of the week, and hundreds of you chime in on it. The one right now at ryanjesperson.com. You just go on the Connect link. We're asking you about summer movies and how you feel about going to theaters and where you're at with regards to wrapping your mind around you know, the COVID reality, the, the, the mid to, you know, maybe kind of sort of thinking about one day, a post pandemic reality. We're hoping to hear from a whole bunch of you on that. Last week, we asked you about gun violence, of course, prompted by that tragic. Uh, I don't even know how I can't find the words still to talk about uh, Rob Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. I don't know what to say. My heart is still shattered along with yours, I know. And so we wanted this question of the week to reach you where you were at, Real Talkers. 
And here are some of the highlights, uh, the data pulled by Y Station, just nine or rather 7% of you, uh, 7% of the 500 or so that chimed in believe that this recent incident in Uvalde will lead to change in gun laws. I'll be honest, I'm part of the 93% that doesn't believe it'll lead to change, and I can't believe I'm saying it. It feels defeatist and it feels pessimistic, but when you take a look at the United States, what do you even say? Here's another interesting piece of data. 56% of you, more than half, believe there needs to be massive changes to American gun laws. Here's another interesting stat. Exactly 50% of respondents feel that Canada's gun laws are not effective enough. Interesting. This amid talk from the federal government, the liberal government on that. And here are the most popular gun control solutions. We asked you if you were calling the shots, if you were implementing the policy, what would you do? 90% of you pointed to regular background checks. And I think that the majority of Americans would agree with you on that. 86% of respondents, these are huge majority answers. 86% a ban on so-called assault style weapons like the AR-15. And almost four out of five of you, 78% said regular training and competency assessments is what you would look to as a solution for gun control. Now, we also ask you, what message would you have for American legislators today? And we ask you to fill in the blank. And many of you did. One of you said, if supporting the NRA is the only way you can get elected, you need to figure yourself out. Another one of you said, thoughts and prayers are useless. Put actual human beings ahead of industry lobbies that profit off of murder. Another one of you said, you are complicit in the deaths of school children if you do absolutely nothing to prevent these deaths beside adding more guns to a gun-soaked economy and another of you said please be visionary and lead with the future in mind let go of nostalgic past that no longer serves your nation and then we asked for your final comments we just leave it blank and you can tell us what you think we do that every week with our question of the week one of you said people don't need weapons but we have them because they think they need them they're scared of whoever has them already it's a ridiculous cycle driven by corporate political greed and evil people Another one of you said guns are just the tip of the iceberg. People will always find access to them without better access and supports for mental health. Without stronger family units, the violence won't go away. And another one of you said Steve Kerr, the coach of the Golden State Warriors, said it best. 50 senators hold 90% of American citizens hostage. You remember we played that audio on the show. Powerful stuff mm -hmm. from that former NBA star. Now, of course, a prominent coach. This real talker went on to say the murders of kids in schools allowed by leadership in the U.S. proves how undemocratic a country the United States is. DAs, prosecutors, judges, you know, board members, when it comes to the education system, senators, the list is long that contains elected positions of influence and power in many systems that are publicly bought and paid for through deeply funded campaigns with little to no regulation. It's blatant. It's disgusting. You add in voter suppression, gerrymandering, also public and the U.S. is one of the least democratic nations in the developed world. I really appreciate you taking the time to send us responses like that. It gives us insight into where you're at as an audience, and it helps shape our editorial direction. It's why it's so valued to us, why it's so important for you to take two minutes every week and chime in on our Get Real Question of the Week. Again, on our website right now, we're asking you about summer movies, theaters, outings, and the like. You can go to the Connect link at ryanjesperson.com and select Question of the week. I wanted to leave time for another email before we get into trash talk. This was another really great one from Christy that jumped out at us yesterday following our show. I felt really good about our show yesterday. It felt, it felt important. We talked about men's mental health. If you're just joining us now, live streaming on the Mixler audio app, 
we also talked to Kelsey Snow. Uh, her husband uh, is uh, Chris Snow, the assistant general manager of the Calgary Flames, diagnosed with ALS before his 40th birthday, given six to 12 months to live. He's defying the odds. He's defying the diagnosis, if you will, uh, in a way. Um, feeding himself through a feeding tube, but laughing about it. Still mowing the lawn, though he's lost the use of essentially the right side of his body, certainly his right arm. I mean, just a remarkable family. And Kelsey joined us to talk about why she decided to launch her Sorry I'm Sad podcast and, and why she's seeking out really, really difficult conversations with people who are also experiencing grief and trauma. Kelsey, just a remarkable human. It prompted Christy to write in and say, your conversations this morning, Got me thinking about my dad, who died 14 years ago. Uh, he was an old school kind of a guy, born in the 30s, uh, and we mostly got along like two cats in a bag, <laughs> too much alike, you know? She says we drove each other absolutely nuts. He, he was also incredible, probably the most intelligent person I ever knew. He was a, a psychiatric nurse. He sang beautifully. He could have charmed the sun out of the sky, we know very little about his side of the family. His father sprang seemingly fully formed from the ground in New York City sometime after World War I and almost never spoke of his life before he landed in North America. That lack of knowledge has led to some entertaining problems as a particular genetic defect with some fairly broad effects has shown up in our family's DNA and we have no way to search back on that side to learn anything about it. I remember dad and his buddies, men that he'd known almost his entire life, thinking at the time what a pack of blowhards they were. You know, you couldn't believe a, a single word that came out of any of their mouths. Uh, what I didn't see then was the deep insecurity and the anxiety that was underlying all of their braggadocio. Uh, I didn't see the, the deeply damaged culture in which they spent their formative years. These men weren't allowed to be soft or gentle or emotional. There was no way for men of that generation to openly be those things. And all of them were deeply emotional men under it all. But it was a source of shame. Any mention of depression, anxiety, or, or that their behavior patterns were harming them was met with either dismissal, if not outright hostility. She says, ask me how I know that. The deep dysfunction of dad's early life followed him until he died. He formed relationships with people whose brokenness matched his and repeated his patterns ad nauseum his entire life. Now, the reason for my email is not to talk about dad necessarily. He's gone. His story can't be changed. I talk about him to encourage people, especially men, to seek the help they need. Nobody needs you to be hard or tough or angry. Those only inflict further harm on the people you love. What so many men have been taught is strength is brittle at best, entirely lacking resilience and flexibility. Hard, certainly, but thin. That strength requires others' weakness and can never stand on its own. As our family has chipped through our own mental health struggles, we've come to realize how many of our challenges are generational. Patterns of thought and behavior passed down by people who, for whatever reason, didn't or couldn't meaningfully deal with their pain and their trauma. Just like faulty genetics were passed down without anybody realizing, so too were faulty mental patterns with which we are now left to reckon. If you can't get help for yourself, get help for those who come after you. If you don't, you will inflict your hurt on the next generation. The patterns of brokenness that we carry can be stopped if we put the work in now. That from Christy. Phenomenal. And uh, 
I wanted to just make a note. I know that I was saying to put that into the hopper for consideration of the email of the month. Mm-hmm. I want to just go ahead and award that the email of the month because, Christy, this is the third time I've read your email, the first time publicly. I appreciate it so much. The thought you put in, the sentiment you pass along, your memory and recollection of your dad, your insight into his friend circle, and your challenge for us all. So we'll follow up. We'll get your mailing address and... Relays General Manager Katie Cook-Chivers will send an official Real Talk Studio mug your way. Thanks for taking the time to send us that message. KCC. KCC. Katie Cook-Chivers does an amazing job keeping this company on track, and we're so grateful for her. Let's do this, John. No, hang on. I have not mentioned our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, and I would earn myself a slap on the wrist if I did not mention... The extremely important message. What do you have for me today? This is like a Dairy Queen roulette. Oh, we're going to talk about the blizzard of the month, are we? All right. The caramel drumstick with peanuts or the drumstick with peanuts. It's the most recent blizzard I've tried at Dairy Queen. Our, it's, it's our home turf Dairy Queen in Westmount. That's why I threw it up. I know you were. Uh, you knew a, it would resonate with me. got a front row me. seat to this one. Yeah. Do I do even? I, I feel like the, it kind of speaks for itself. Caramel drumstick with peanuts. It's like, you know, that drumstick, uh, that, that ice cream treat. That great perfect cone with a bit of chocolate at the bottom of the cone, they nailed that. Well, imagine one just crushed up into bits with Dairy Queen's famous soft serve. Turned upside down for your approval. Highly crushable. If you make it out of the parking lot of a Dairy Queen with your blizzard, I commend you. I pretty much just grab it and finish it. You can do exactly that this weekend at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and in Sherwood Park at Baseline Road. A big shout out to our friends at DQ. Now, every Friday, we blow off a little steam. You know what we do? It's a tradition around here. has been since our very first week on the show. Thanks to our friends at Local Environmental. These are real emails received to talk at ryanjesperson.com. We call it Trash Talk. All right, this one from Jordan with a Y. Uh, Jordan with a Y says, My neighbor down the street is an absolute gem, like the best kind of person, the type that waves and smiles, offers to bring in your mail when you'll be out of town, and invites you to their annual backyard barbecue where they serve their homemade and incredible Nanaimo bars. But they also keep their front and backyard looking good by running their mower, trimmer, and blower, though lithium-powered, I'll give them credit for that, at 7 a.m. Like 7 a.m., like clockwork, sometimes on weekday mornings, weekend mornings, whenever. That's when their day starts. Johnny's going, no. That's when their day starts, with a smile, albeit, but that doesn't work for me. Now, not at all, but but but, but I, I do still force a smile when I see them, sometimes just a few hours after the mowing. Because really, it's not the end of the world, though it does interfere with my sleep, which kind of is my whole world. So I guess I'm just here to blow off a little steam, like Jespo says, and maybe I'm hoping that my sweet, amazing neighbor hears this and wonders if it's them that I'm talking about and suspects that it is them that we're talking about and maybe knocks their yard work into the 10 a.m. time slot. Have a great weekend, Real Talkers. Here's to sleeping in past seven. That from Jordan with a Y. What's an appropriate time for you? Would you say what's the earliest you would mow oh, lawn, man. run a trimmer, oh, run a blower? Ten. Eleven. Eleven. I like Some it. People I like it. This is our like opportunity for a public service announcement here. All right, and then this one from KS. All right, kids, earmuffs, because I'm going to read this thing verbatim. All right, earmuffs. <laughs> As a matter of fact, kids, you should not be watching this. KS says, Ryan, I am so fucking angry. I almost can't stand it. If I'm brutally honest, I'm too sleepy right now to be that angry. Maybe I should have a nap first. But speaking of sleepy, these are, this is like a sleep-deprived trash talk, isn't it? <laughs> I, we didn't plan it that way. I'm sleepy because I have COVID, says KS, which 
Sucks, obviously. We wish you a quick recovery. I'm vaccinated. I did all the right things. I masked. I stayed home. I was careful. Now I have COVID because of one dipshit, and I feel like hell, and I'm pissed about it. These fucking viruses have been taking full advantage of our social nature for millions of years, which is basic fucking science, and still people can't be fucking bothered to do the bare fucking minimum and stay home when they're sick. And before anybody blathers on the internet about people needing to get paid, we can work from home as needed. There's no excuse at my workplace. It took one dipshit, says KS. One. The dipshit who came into work symptomatic two days in a row without telling anybody and then arrived at the office the third day in a mask, coughing up a storm, sanitizing their hands every time another human entered their line of sight like that little performance was going to do any fucking good. Then they took a full half hour to empty their office so they could go work from home. What a hero. During business hours, the office was full like they couldn't have come outside business hours to do that. This shit makes me crazy, says KS. These self-important pricks who think the world would stop turning if they weren't at the office, they'll happily put everybody around them at risk to service their own tiny man egos and then have this unmitigated gall to make excuses about how their high-risk coworker, me, couldn't have possibly gotten COVID from them. I didn't spend years in university to be told by some dumb fuck who can barely read the manual for the TV remote about how viruses work. This is not complicated, says KS. Think about somebody other than yourself for once. Even if you're a little bit sick, stay the fuck home. Now I'm going to go find a couple ibuprofen and go back to bed. Fucking hell. That from KS. I hope that made you feel better. That was a great one. That might be the most profanity-laden trash talk email we've ever received. Love it. You can send us your trash toss to talk at ryanjesperson.com. And don't forget, it's presented by Local Environmental at localenvironmental.ca. Coming up on Monday's show, we talked about BC seeking that approval, that temporary suspension of federal drug laws from Ottawa so they can decriminalize small amounts of so-called hard drugs. They got it. They're doing it. Stephen Harper's former advisor, Ben Perrin's going to join us on Monday. He might take a different direction than what you think. He said kind of an epiphany, maybe a bit of an awakening. I'll ask him how he'd characterize it. He says that the Pierre Polyev strategy on this is way off base. That from the advisor to a former conservative PM. We'll find out why. That's all part of Monday's show. In the meantime, make it a great weekend, friends, and we'll talk to you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook Shivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human resources, Lena Shepard. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Kathleen O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is reported in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.